I invite you to turn in your Bibles again to Acts chapter, we're going to be looking at chapters 22 and 23. How did Paul thrive in his life for Christ in spite of, despite all the the negative things that were going on in his life? And is it really possible that you and I can thrive the way he did in our service to God, to Christ, to be satisfied with our lives, to have purpose and to have strength to press on when things seem to be more against us than force? Well, God is showing us, I believe, in in the book of Acts, not only the big picture of how the church was advancing, just as Jesus promised that it would, that it would grow and that it would spread into all the world, that the gates of hell could not prevail against the church spreading out the truth of the gospel going out. We see that big picture, but God chooses to show us through the individual lives, like the Apostle Paul and other people in the book of Acts, to show us that he is with us and that the gospel can spread in our day and time too. So God is showing us that Paul's life history can work for us too. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, we can stay true to Christ from start to finish. Yes, we can navigate life well for God's glory. Yes, we can do the work that Jesus has planned for us as a congregation and as individuals, and we can do it well and be satisfied and be at rest in Christ and have confidence that we're doing his work. It's all possible. I want you to know the last eight chapters of the book of Acts can be kind of tedious because it's about Paul being imprisoned and and he gives testimonies again and again. It's certainly not as uplifting as like the beginning of the book when the Holy Spirit comes and thousands of people believe and the church presses on and spreads uh, in spite of persecution. But I love again, I'll repeat it, what G. Campbell Morgan says, God gives us a history because he wants to make a comment. So what is God wanting to impress on us together today from the book of Acts? Well, I have a few ideas. (laughs) Last week we focused on staying true to the worthy name of Jesus Christ. We know that Paul did not flinch from following Christ, even when he knew and heard that trouble lay ahead, that he might lose his life, that he was going to suffer. He was willing to do that because, not because he was so great, but because he was convinced and believed that Jesus is the worthy name worth following because he is God and Savior. So these chapters and acts confront you and me with the same question, this question. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Because if you do, if we do, then we're going to live differently. If we're convinced that his name is worthy, it's going to change how we think and live. It's going to change how we think and live because Jesus is God, and we're convinced of that. That he's Savior and coming again, and we're convinced of that. That only his gospel, his good news, is true and can truly transform people who are separated from God and make them holy and pleasing to God and servants of God forever. Paul's in prison where he's 
He's impounded now. And even though we are free women and men, and even though we live almost 2,000 years later than this story, God reveals to us today in this passage, I, I, I believe, that we can navigate life well through faith in Jesus Christ. We can stay faithful and true like Paul. We can navigate, navigate life well like Paul did as we follow Christ. So let's take a look at a few things that I discovered in my studies, and uh, I hope they help you today to follow Christ well. Leveraging our opportunities and privileges for Christ. Look at Paul and see how he leveraged his opportunities to testify to the greatness of his God all the time. You know, Jesus gave us some faultless counsel. He said this to his disciples when he was sending them out. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent or gentle as doves. And in this passage, we get to see how Paul was wise, how the Spirit of God helped him navigate life well and share the gospel. And we also see him being gentle. You know, I need wisdom when I explain my views of how I believe life is sacred in the womb until the grave. People disagree with that. So I need to be wise in how I express it. I need to think through that. But I also need to be gentle because a lot of times there's going to be pushback. But I truly believe that that life is sacred because it's created by God. So I need to be able to explain reasoning and, and have good arguments. But I need to do it wisely and gently. And I need to realize I'm not always going to win the argument or convince somebody to change their mind. But I at least can show the truth and do it well. So Paul takes a testimony time opportunity here to share what he believed. Uh, in chapter 21, verse 32, it tells us that the crowd was beating Paul. and When the Roman soldiers showed up, they stopped beating him. So here he is being torn apart. They were trying to beat him to death. They wanted to kill him. And part of it was because there was a mistaken identity. Some of them didn't know who Paul was. They just knew there was a, a, a trouble going on in the temple, and they were shouting one thing, and some were shouting the other, and, and Paul was about ready to lose his life, and the Romans came and saved him, and Paul explains who he is. No, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm not an assassin. I'm not causing a rebellion here. I'm a Jew. I'm a Jewish man. I'm a Pharisee, and he explains that. So he has a, an opportunity, and he clears up the mistaken identity to the person in charge, the Roman tribune. And he asks permission from him to speak to the crowd, and he gives him that permission. And Paul begins to speak either in the Hebrew dialect or the Aramaic, whatever he could, to relate to the people that were in front of him. And get, and get the picture here. These were the people who were trying to kill him a few minutes ago. He stands up. And he wants to speak to them to share about Christ. That's pretty amazing. Wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. His defense is really a testimony. And he's saying, I'm not a, Jew a Jewish apostate. I'm not a false teacher of Jewish tradition. No, I'm orthodox. <laughs> I'm a true believer. So whether we're free or in chains like Paul, Paul always saw himself as an ambassador for Christ. 
And you and I can do the same. I know uh, fruitfulness on the front lines is confronting you, and I would just encourage you to take advantage of that class. I am an ambassador for Christ. I'm not a conservative or a liberal or somewhere in between, although I might lean one way or the other on the political spectrum. I'm not a a teacher, or, or maybe you are a teacher or a doctor or a, an IT tech person or whoever you are. You are first an ambassador for Christ. So it's his message, his name, what he says, what Jesus says, it's most important for me to be able to speak clearly and wisely and well and winsomely. That's my calling. First of all, I think I said this before, so, and it's a quote. So when you go to the grocery store, remember, first of all, you're not a grocery shopper. You're an ambassador for Christ. When you go to get gasoline, you're not a gasoline purchaser, but first, you're an ambassador for Christ. When you go to work, you go to the playground with your young kids, and you're socializing with the other moms, yeah, you do that. You're, you're a normal person, but first, you're an ambassador for Christ. And we need to let our children see us being ambassadors in everyday events. Lord, help me to see that my daily routines and chores are opportunities to show and talk about you and your life-giving truth. We need to look at it differently. Leveraging our opportunities to talk about Christ, to show what his love looks like in person because we are his body, his hands, his feet. And we also can look at Paul and see that he was leveraging citizenship privileges. In chapter 22, verses 22 through 29, um, we see how Paul is about to be whipped uh, we're going to go back over a little bit more chapter 22 in a moment, but when Paul mentioned the name of Jesus, that Jesus sent him to the Gentiles, that just set the crowd off again. They were ready to kill him because they thought he was bringing Gentiles into the temple and profaning the holy things of God. And now he mentions that Jesus, this vision that he had, this savior that he met that changed his life, is sending him to the Gentiles. And as soon as he said that in verse 22, it says, they were listening to him, and then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. They wanted to kill him again because they did not understand the vision that God had for the world. Jew and Gentile becoming one in Christ, being reconciled to God through him. The tribune, the Roman tribune, he didn't know what was going on, so he grabs Paul and he protects him. And to get, he wasn't getting anywhere, so he's ready to beat Paul, to whip Paul, as the Romans did, to get the truth. He was going to torture him so he could find out the story. How come they hate you so much? And what does Paul do? He leveraged his position as a citizen of Rome to provide opportunity, to protect himself. Look at what it says in verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. 
So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. And the tribune answered, I, brought, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. But Paul said, I was born a citizen. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. So here he had broken the law, broken the rights of a Roman citizen, and Paul leveraged that. Why did Paul do that? To protect himself. He wasn't out to be whipped. He didn't want to suffer for the name of Christ when it wasn't necessary. So he played his card. He was wise as a serpent. No martyr complex here. But it also provided him an opportunity before the Sanhedrin, before the leadership of the Jews, to share the gospel and let them live another day. There's a right time to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a right time to go on living for him so that you can show the gospel. Maybe you've heard the name of Jim Elliott. He and four other young men lost their lives taking the gospel to the Alca people in Ecuador in 1956, a few months before I was born. Here are a few of his quotes, and you can just hear him speaking to his friends and his people who were encouraging him and his friends, don't go. Don't go because it's too dangerous. You're probably familiar with some of them, probably his most famous quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, that is his life, to gain that which he cannot lose. Eternal life. I love this one too. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Here's another one. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Boy, there's a lot of instruction in those quotes. Here's one more. I can see him saying this to his parents and to the parents of all his buddies who died. Grieve not then if your son seemed to desert you, but rejoice rather, seeing the will of God done glad. Many have died taking the gospel of Christ into the world, but you know what? More have not died taking the gospel of Christ into the world. I don't know what God has in store for me or for you in the next few days or weeks or years ahead, but we should never be afraid. We should always be remembering that we're ambassadors for Christ, and whether we live or die, God is going to do something great, and he's worth it because Jesus is God and Savior. Do you believe this? Let me just back up what Phil said. There's opportunities to learn how to navigate conversations so that we can point people to Christ, so we can be culturally sensitive, but yet share the gospel boldly and clearly with conviction and with love and gentleness. Five friends at five points coming up Saturday, October 23rd. Fruitfulness on the front lines every Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10.30 right here. How about an advertisement for this? Some of us have gone through the, the course Teaching to Change Lives. Believe it or not, that's just not just about teaching formally, whether you're a teacher of a class or, or preaching. It helps you think about people's needs and meet them one-on-one. -on -one. 
I encourage you to take advantage of these things because God promises to help us when we take the steps to advance in our witness for him. What else can we learn from about navigating through life? I like to see us about not only that we can leverage our opportunities, to be aware of what God's put us in, to use those to share our testimony, even to use our rights as American citizens when we need to, to protect ourselves, to provide opportunities to advance the gospel. But we need to be heeding Jesus' voice. In Acts 22, verse 10, Paul's giving his testimony about his conversion. And when the Lord spoke to him, it says in verse 10, and I said, he had this vision, this bright light, and he heard a voice, and he said, what shall I do, Lord? And Jesus said to him, to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. This is Paul's story about him meeting Jesus before he met Jesus as his God and Savior, Lord and Savior, and afterwards. In verses 3 through 5 of chapter 22, he, he gives this account. I, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in, this, in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as a high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and to bring them into bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So he gives this testimony. Here's what I was before I met Christ, before I had this vision. I hated the way. I hated Christians. I hated Jesus' followers. I was out to get them. I thought they were bad people, apostates. They were evil. They were leading people astray. And then he talks about when he met Christ. And everything changed. He heeded Jesus' voice. And he obeyed. His actions proved he obeyed. Paul wanted people to know that the reason he changed wasn't because he decided he needed to be a nicer guy. It wasn't a self-improvement project. It was because he had met Jesus Christ and understood who he was. And that changed everything. I don't have a very dramatic conversion story. How about you? Nothing like Paul's. But it doesn't really matter how dramatic or undramatic your conversion or your turning to Christ is. What does matter is that you can talk about how meeting Jesus Christ has changed the direction of your life from then on. How am I different today because of what I understood when I was 12 years old? How have I seen God moving and changing me? That's the important thing, that I can share how God is working in my life now and through the years. I don't have to have a dramatic story. It's how Jesus is changing me in my life as I walk with him. I need to tell people what Jesus has revealed to me <laughs> through his word and through his people that he's brought along the way, how he's cared for me. And you know, if I'm just blending in, 
and my life isn't outstanding in some way because of what Jesus is doing into it, I need to reevaluate if I'm really following Christ as I should. I need to consider what Jesus would have me to do. To maybe be a little more friendly to strangers. It's called hospitality. Being friendly to the stranger. That's what hospitality is. Prioritizing meeting people across the aisle that I worship with. That's real easy and practical. Do you know him? (laughs) Do you know her? (laughs) A lot of us don't. So we need to walk across the aisle and begin to speak to one another so we can help one another and build one another up. We need to take that step. Is that what Jesus would ask you to do? To dare to do that in his name, prioritizing meeting with his people to help them grow in faith, to help them along the way? Daring to say the first hello to that person in your neighborhood that you walk by and maybe greet, but you never really stop and talk about their lovely little dog? or the grandkids that you see, or whatever. Praying for the coworker that gets under your skin. You can do that. You can, can begin to take steps. Saying hi to the student that you have nothing in common with, except that their locker's next to yours. You just don't know what friendliness and kindness and love, remembering that I'm an ambassador for Christ. Oh, Could it be possible that this woman at the well that I've met needs to hear about Jesus? We need to think that way. We need to ask God to help us see that way. Heeding God's voice. Paul obeyed the Lord and he followed him. But what happens when Jesus curbs or walls off closes the door on your plans. What do you do then? You heed his voice. That's what Paul did. Paul listened to the Lord after his conversion. But look at verse 17. This is part of his testimony. He sang to this mob of people that, that were, were out to kill him. When I returned to Jerusalem, this is after his conversion, and a, and a while after his conversion, And I was praying in a temple. I fell into a trance and I saw Jesus, him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul's in Jerusalem, and and the Lord speaks to him again, and he says, I want you to leave Jerusalem. And Paul's like arguing with the Lord. Are you kidding me? Look at my life and the change that's gone on in it, Lord. I should stay here and, and give testimony. I mean, these people know what I used to be, and they've seen the change and how my message changed. I'll have such a powerful witness. And God says, no. He closed the door, and Paul obeyed. He did that in other times in Acts chapter 16. You can read about that. Remember, he wanted to go into certain territories 
and, and God was shot him down in Asia because he wanted him to go to Macedonia. Paul listened. Hey, followers of Christ, you've never ignored Jesus' word, have you? When he spoke to you? We shouldn't, but we do it all the time, don't we? Sometimes the Lord, as I look back on it, as I was thinking about it, the Lord was speaking to me through my parents, but I sure didn't want to listen to them, especially when I was a teenager. Sometimes it was the youth group leaders that he was speaking to me through, but, or when I was reading the Bible on my own or, or through a sermon or a message or a talk or whatever on a, on a winter retreat. But, you know, I, I would close that Bible fast. You know why? Because I didn't want to have to think about it. I didn't want to have to consider what God was saying to me. But like Jim Elliott said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And Paul did that. He learned to trust and obey the voice of the Lord, to do what the Lord told him to do, even when it was hard and his life was fruitful for Christ and purposeful. And he wants your life to be that purposeful too and my life to be that purposeful as we listen and heed and do what we know he wants us to do. And you know what? Right now, Paul's joy is boundless in the presence of the Lord. If you are not yet a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God is in imploring you right now to yield your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe he is who he said. There's life to be found in Christ. There's freedom from guilt. And God will reveal things to you if you're willing to surrender your life to him, how to be a better husband, how to be a loving husband and dad, how to avoid destructive behaviors in your life, how to be more patient and kinder to your kids and to your neighbors and to strangers. If we read his word, if we hear his word, if we heed his word, he will show us and help us do what he's commanding us to do. God's hands are open to receive us if we, and give us new life if we will just believe and surrender our hearts and lives to him. So the stories and acts allow us to see how God helps his people. How, how to navigate life together, how to follow Jesus, and he will guide us to do the same. One other thought I have from the, these chapters, chapter 22 and 23, is this, receiving God's encouraging word. Phil read chapter 23, the first 11 verses, and, and we see after Paul gave his testimony, <laughs> the mob that he was giving his testimony to was ready to rip him apart, and he was almost beaten when then he he used his trump card of his Roman citizenship to protect himself. And it says in verse 30 of chapter 22, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, the tribune, he unbounded him and commanded the chief priest and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. So now Paul gets to talk about his conversion to Christ again, and it's not in front of a mob of mixed kind of people, but this is the... Jewish leadership. This is the big guns in Jerusalem. This is Pharisees and Sadducees who knew Paul from years ago and how he's been changed and they still did not get it. And Paul, uh, excuse me, God planned for Paul to do this. 
He was making it happen. He used the Roman government to get him to this place to give testimony one more time to these leaders who were ignoring Christ. That's pretty amazing. Everything God said about Paul was coming true. All his plans that he told Paul at the beginning when he was first converted are coming true. He's testifying to kings and to Gentiles and to the Israel leaders. What the Spirit said to Paul is all happening about when he went to Jerusalem that he was going to be bound and put on trial in front of the Gentiles and it's all coming true. And Paul, what does he do? Oh, here I am again. I can't believe I'm in this mess. You might have been thinking that. But he remembered he was an ambassador. And he took opportunity to share the gospel. He grabs hold of the opportunity to point these leaders who denied Christ and point them again to the one who's raised from the dead, the Savior of the world. Their unbelief blinded them. But Paul would not let the opportunity pass him by because his love for the Lord and his love for his Jewish brothers was greater than their hatred of him because he was changed by Christ. There's an ex kind of a surprising change here, exchange here. Paul speaks, look at verse 1 of chapter 23. I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Pretty innocent statement, but what happens? Wham! He gets slapped for saying what was really true. He said that to the Ephesian elders when he was leaving them. <laughs> I'm innocent of the blood of all people because I've preached the gospel of Christ. And after being hit, does it surprise you what Paul says? Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? And as soon as Paul found out it was the high priest who was asking him that question, he apologized. Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. If that surprises you, was Paul being a little snarky? Just remember this. In John chapter 18, verse 19, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching, and Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Wise as serpents, innocent as doves, or gentle as doves. Paul was just following Jesus' example, and we need to think it through and do the same to say the truth and not be afraid to, and to take what they give us, knowing that we're standing for Christ. Paul uses a new wise tactic. He used the hope of the resurrection to divide the group. 
And as we read that earlier, when Phil read the scriptures, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sadducees didn't believe in the word of God. They, they took the first five books, the Pentateuch, Moses' letters, and that was it. The Pharisees believed more. They were more conservative. They believed that it was God's word. They believed in angels and spirits. The Sadducees were kind of liberal. They didn't believe all that stuff. The Pharisees did. They didn't, the Sadducees, you know, the old joke, they were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Anyway, um, Paul straightens them out. He divides them. He says, I believe, the only reason I'm on trial is because I believe in the hope the Jewish people have of the resurrection, of life everlasting with God. And that divides the group, and they begin to yell at one another, and they begin to tear, they were going to take Paul and tear him apart again, and the Romans protect him. But here's the focus. The following night, the Lord stood by him, verse 11. Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify about me in Rome. Think about what Paul had just been through the last two days. He's in the temple. He's trying to keep the peace in Jerusalem by following Jewish customs and ritual because he, he was a Jewish man and he, he, he believed in those things because they showed Christ. And then a mob grabbed him and they were ripping him apart trying to kill him. And, and they just about did, but the Romans intervened and, and he gets after being beaten and almost killed. He stands up and testifies to the Lord. But he's, uh, they again, after he hears... They hear his testimony. They're about to kill him again. So the Romans intervene. They're about to whip him. And he gets an opportunity when he uses his Roman citizenship to protect himself. He gets an opportunity to testify before the Sanhedrin, the leadership of the Jewish people. And he's sharing about his hope in the gospel and about the resurrection of Christ and the difference it's made in his life. And again, they get angry and about to tear him apart. So he's beaten, he's grabbed, he's imprisoned, but his passion for Jesus keeps him moving forward. He was courageous to testify, and that would really get the adrenaline flowing. But now it's nighttime, and he's sore, and he's tired, and the adrenaline's gone. He's separated from his friends, he's isolated. And I think doubts began to enter his mind about, is this it? My big dream to go to Rome, to the believers there, and then to go on to Spain. Am I never going to get to go to those unreached, untouched fields with the gospel? Is this the end of my life? Is this all there is? I feel like I'm done. And what does God do? He comes alongside him. He stood by him, people, and spoke and filled him with courage. How many times, and you can't count them, has God provided for you and me just as we need? A word speaks. The word speaks to us. A person comes alongside and helps us get through the situation. When nights are lonely and they feel like they're never going to change, and they're long, and it just seems like we're stuck. God, God comes alongside, and he speaks, and he brings people to us, and he helps us. How many times has it happened in your life? Your homework assignment today 
is to remember some of those times and then to thank God for them. What are you feeling today about your life? What word from the Lord would you like to hear today? I would tell you, ask and seek and trust him and expect him to answer. Expect him to bring some hope into your life right now to renew your strength, to provide what you need from his spirit, from his word, and from his people, the resources that he gives us to help us. Will you ask him? What word would you like to hear today? And one more challenge for you. Are you ready today, right now, to be the answer to the prayer of someone in this room? Would you dare to cross the aisle and to speak to the stranger? to that someone you haven't spoken to, to see how they really are. Will you get in touch with someone today, this week, and be the answer to someone's prayer request in this room today as the Lord nudges you? Are you navigating life well as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we navigating life together well as a congregation, adjusting to our cultural shifts with God's truth and being wise and gentle at the same time? What's stirring on your heart today? Is there something you need to pursue to navigate life better? Is there something you need to do to tap into some of the resources God's giving you? What will you do? Again, is your faith non-existent? The Spirit of God, not me, but the Spirit of God is imploring you through his word, through his truth today to trust in Christ, to follow Christ. Is your faith weak today? Will you do your part to renew your mind with God's truth so you're ready to go? Do you need wisdom? Jesus promises to answer us when we ask for it. So ask and be alert, ready for God to answer and be prayerful. Let's talk. Use your communication card, if that's a comfortable way. Use the email and send something to the office. Speak to someone after the service today about how God's been good in your life or the hurdles that you're facing. Dare to share with one another so we can help one another along. And after the service today, by the way, you may have noticed some people will be up front if you'd like to pray, if you have a, would like to just chat about what God's doing in your life or you're, you're struggling with things, someone would be happy to help to pray with you. We can navigate life well from start to finish in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, help us to stand true and firm. Renew our minds with your truth. <clears throat> help us to heed your voice when we hear, hear you speak. Give us courage. Come alongside us as you promised that you would. Lord, we cry out to you for help. Meet the needs of your people. We know you will. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.